Good morning, good morning, and welcome to the Michael Slate Show. My name is Sansara Taylor. I'm sitting in for Michael today, and we have a really uh, exciting opportunity today. We're going to inaugurate the recall-in phone lines. We're going to open up the phone lines, ported, and we are going to take full advantage of having the phone lines to talk about something that is just ripping through coursing through the news, but also in conversations from the street on up about uh, the poison Nazi anti-Semitism that's been spewing out of Kanye West, out of Kyrie Irving. Yes, he was uh, suspended at this point. He issued an apology, which was important. But what he has put forward, what he's been promoting is so poisonous. It's so deadly. And it's getting traction, which is very dangerous. So we're going to talk about that for the better part of the hour. We're going to open up the phone lines on that. Um, But before we go there, I want to ask you a question. If you could meet a great revolutionary thinker and leader, if you could go up close and personal with them, finding out what they think about key issues in the world, how they see making revolution, how they look at some of the most controversial questions and sacred cows in society, as well as how they came to be the way they are. If you could go one-on-one with them and hear what they thought about humanity, about friendships, about poetry, about everything that goes into making life worth living, would you take that opportunity? Would you be enticed by that? If you are feeling like the answer is yes, I want you to know that you have that opportunity now. Starting last night, we premiered at the Revolution Nothing Less show on YouTube. We premiered the first of a major three-part interview with the revolutionary leader, Bob Avakian. And this was an interview I had the honor to be part of conducting together with Andy Z, who is the main host of the Revolution Nothing Less show, we did a up-close-and-personal interview with the revolutionary leader, Bob Avakian. We sat down for several hours. Um, we broadcast the first segment of this, installment of this, last night. We had in-person screenings in Berkeley, Los Angeles, and New York City, and Chicago, and other places. And a lot of people tuned in online, and I want to invite you to engage and experience this interview in its fullness at uh, youtube.com slash the revcoms. I'll play a couple clips here today um, to get our show started. But I want to say we took this opportunity to sit down with Bob Avakian to give people the chance to hear from him directly. Somebody who has been fighting for revolution for over 50 years, who came out of the 1960s, became radicalized and turned on to revolution through his close uh, friendships with, but also working very closely with the leaders of the Black Panther Party in their revolutionary days, in their early days. And what he draws from that, what he's learned since then, how he goes through the world. We sat down. We wanted people to have a chance to hear from him on why we need a revolution, why this is the only solution to the problems that humanity faces, all the oppression, the exploitation, the white supremacy, the unending degradation and insult that's heaped on women. Um, just walking down the street on LGBTQ people, the destruction of the planet driven by this system, why we need a revolution, how a revolution could solve these problems. What a liberated, emancipated society would look like, what it would feel like. Baba Vakian is the author of a constitution for the new socialist republic in North America. He's put together a blueprint, a framework for a radically different economy, a different way that people would relate, a different educational system, different... Uh, form of government, 
different ways that people would relate to each other and the world and the planet and go about uprooting all this oppression? What would that look like? What would that feel like? How would that be possible? What is What was he thinking about when he wrote that constitution? What problems was he trying to solve? Um, and how could this revolution be made? And so this is a chance for people to hear from him directly about all of that, whether you are familiar with revolution, whether you're just starting to think about it, and to get to know this leader in a different way, up close and personal, somebody who has never given up, never turned back, who has kept his heart with the masses of people, not just here, but all over the world, um, and what it will really take to get all of them free. And, and in this interview, we get into questions of science. We get into questions of poetry and art, the importance of the poetic spirit. Bob Avakian shares very generously from his life experience, his friendships, and, and, and many things that, that he's learned over the years. You get a sense of how he thinks about the world. It's a very great interview, and it's coming at a time, and he talks about this unsparingly as well, that humanity faces two, not one, but two existential crises. That means threats to the very existence of humanity. One is the intensifying war in Ukraine, right now a proxy war between the U.S. and Russia, but it has every day intensifying the danger that this break into an even more um, larger scale, more open inter-imperialist war, including with the threat of nuclear weapons. And Bob Avakian makes the point very strongly, we played this two weeks ago, a clip from this interview, an early release, that humanity can no longer afford to allow these imperialists on any side, the U.S. or Russia or China on any side, to rule over the masses of people and compete over who's going to control humanity's future. They need to be overthrown if humanity is going to have a future worth living. And at a time when a lot of people don't want to look at this, they want to sleepwalk through this, or they want to flag wave with the U.S. and cheer it on, Bob Avakian is waking us up. People need to hear what he has to say on this. That's one existential crisis. The other is the climate destruction. These are emergencies that he addresses head on and with urgency. And, and the final thing I want to say, just as, a, as the moment that, this is, that Bob Avakian sat down with us, we're living in a moment, everybody knows it who's, who doesn't have their head in the sand, of rising fascism, of rising fascist violence and fascist takeover of the, of the, of the government itself. And and among the ruling powers, there are deep divisions. Bob Avakian has analyzed the dangers of this, but also how this presents us with a rare opportunity because of how deep these divides are, because of how much the rulers are fighting, where there's an opportunity where revolution could actually be made it is much more possible, but not without a lot of struggle. And so this, too, he gets into, and he brings a lot of hope a lot of clarity, a lot of urgency. I want to, at the same time, a lot of humor and a lot of joy. So I want to play two excerpts of this um, to give you a sense of it. The first is just the very opening to his answer to the very first question we asked him, where uh, I asked him if he always had this view of America as the number one purveyor of violence and, and uh oppression and atrocity in the world. So let's listen to that beginning answer. Did you always have this view of America? And if not, how did you first come to see this country in this way and its role in the world? Oh, 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 oh no. I, I, 
I was a very loyal American. You know, I think I said in my memoir that one time I said I felt like getting down on my knees and thanking God that I was born in this great country, unlike all these other unfortunate people all around the world who were, uh, you know, forced to live in other countries. And I remember uh, when I was 16, I think, I went to a baseball game, a Giants baseball game in San Francisco, and of course they play the national anthem before, and so, you know, everybody rose, and I got up, and I enthusiastically was singing, you know, oh, say, can you see, et cetera, et cetera. And when it finished, the woman in front of me turned around and said, my, you have a beautiful voice. And, <laughs> and I just couldn't, can't help thinking back about the irony of that, you know. But then, as I did learn things, I used to go to the games, and, and uh, you know, this was during the Vietnam War, when they would play the national anthem, I did a different version that someone I knew was part of the movement that I was part of made up, which was, oh, Uncle Sam, get out of Vietnam. Get out, get out, get out of Vietnam. So that was a different <laughs> rendition of the song. And, didn't get quite the same response <laughs> from the people in front of me, but you know that that was a transformation I went through, and uh, you know it was a lot of different things. I, I you know grew up in Berkeley. Okay, so that was just a teaser. Uh, he, as you as you can hear, he then talks about growing up in Berkeley. He talks about a number of other influences, and then we're off to the races. Um, I picked one other segment I wanted to share with you to give you a sense of some of where the interview went um, a little later. And also, I thought it fits well with what we're going to open the phone lines about in a few minutes, um, having to do, he touches on conspiracy theories. So this is a question Andy Z asks him. I'll let you hear it from him. You know, you uh, in one of your talks, you uh, quoted a great a lyric from uh, Stevie Wonder, uh, superstition. Uh, when you believe in things that you don't understand, then you suffer. Superstition ain't the way. And then... In basics, uh, you have this sharp, incredibly important sentence from your book, Away With All Gods, Unchaining the Mind and Radically Changing the World, where you wrote, oppressed people who are unable or unwilling to confront reality as it actually is are condemned to remain enslaved and oppressed. So why is it when you believe in things that don't exist, you suffer? Well, I mean, you know, I don't know what exactly what Stevie Wonder had in mind. If he had in mind religion as, as well as other things, I think he's kind of spiritual in any case. But, you know, the fact is, if you're not actually dealing with reality as it is, then you really don't have a chance to fundamentally change reality. I mean, to, to, to actually change reality in any really meaningful way, and especially in a fundamental way to, to completely sweep away this whole system and bring into being a much better system, you're dealing with a lot of very complex reality. You know, anybody who's actually ever seriously undertaken a revolution or any kind of, you know, serious change knows that you come up against a lot of complexity. There's a lot of difficulties and things are constantly changing and people are constantly changing in the course of events. And, and Without a scientific approach to understand the actual reality that you're up against, you have no chance to actually keep this going forward, and especially toward an actual revolution. And so 
if you are, you know, oppressed and want to get out of your oppression, but you are, but you are believing in unreality, you're believing in gods and supernatural forces, you know, or, or in, for that matter, conspiracy theories, whatever it might be, that are totally out of keeping with reality, you have no chance to actually get, you know, where you need to go. And then there's also the fact that, it's, you, know, if you, you know, if you are looking for, you know, a way out of all this by believing in and relying on forces that don't exist, then you're going to also get very, not only disoriented, but you're going to get demoralized because this God you're believing in is not going to deliver for you for one simple reason. It's not God's fault. It just doesn't exist. <laughs> so therefore, there's no way that this non-existent God can deliver for you. So, you know, people believe in this because, you know, for all kinds of reasons, because of death, not their own death so much as, you know, because once you're dead, that's it. But, you know, the death of loved ones, you know, and the loss of loved ones, and sometimes in terrible ways. So it's understandable why people, you know, look to this for some kind of relief when they don't see a way out of all this. But then the other side of the picture, and which is what we have to bring to them as revolutionaries, as people applying a scientific method to understand reality and lead people to transform it, we have to bring that to them. But without that... You just feel like, you know, the, first of all, the world just seems like, you know, the old Temptations line, you know, ball of confusion. It just mm -hmm. seems, you know, a bunch of chaos. And, you know, it doesn't make any sense. And plus, there seem to be these overwhelming forces that you can't possibly deal with. So as long as you're mired in that, you know, look, there are many religious people who take good stands, who, you know, wage, uh, you know, become part of and play important roles in fights against oppression. And that should be appreciated and united with. But to take it all the way where it needs to go, you need to, to cast off any kind of thing, that, uh, any kind of way of approaching things that runs against and takes you away from the actual reality, and especially the deeper reality that you can't see, that isn't right on the surface, but is actually what is driving things. You know, what are the actual underlying relations, for example? Capitalism is not just a bunch of people trying to make money. It's got, cert it's got certain dynamics it's got certain underlying relations in, in, in how things are produced and distributed. And, and at this stage, as I was referring to earlier, this is an international system. You know, most of the production that, that produces the goods that people consume in this country is done outside this country, especially in poorer countries of the world where people are viciously exploited. So, you know, there's all, all this complexity, and you're just not going to be able to make your way through it as long as, you, you know, Stevie Wonder says, as long as you believe in things that don't exist. And religion, look, let's be honest. We can have a respect for people who are religious, who play a good role, take positive stands. You know, I, when I was doing the dialogue with Cornel West, I said to him, I respect you more than some atheists because you have atheists who are like just supporters of the system, you know, and, and who use their atheism for bad purposes. But the fact is, that if you, if you cling to that religion, you're only going to be able to go so far, and you're not going to be able to go all the way. And we need to be able to go all the way to get rid of this system, because all the hell that people are put through and the growing dangers from the possibility of war among these nuclear-armed great powers to the destruction of the environment, all that, there's no way you're going to deal with that if you're clinging to, to things that don't exist.
That was the voice of Bob Avakian in the new first installment of a major new three-part interview that is now available in full at youtube.com slash the revcoms. Uh, as I said, he, he, it, it goes, the interview goes many places from there. I urge you to go watch the whole thing, um, experience it, sit with friends and watch it together. Bob Avakian is deeply loved, deeply admired, deeply respected by people in this country and people all over the world for the very same reason that other people deeply hate him, attack him, spread vicious lies about him. And there's a simple reason for that. He is the foremost and most radical revolutionary thinker and leader in the world today. He is fighting for and he concentrates the most radical rupture with the world as it is currently organized, with the ways that people relate to each other, with the ways people are trained to think or more correctly to not think, to not think critically. Um, He is fighting for the most radical rupture with all of this. So those who want to get free and want to see humanity get free have a, a true friend in this leader, somebody who they should love and respect and admire and listen to and engage. And those who are invested in this system and keeping it going, Or finding a place within it. And especially those who want to play off the masses of oppressed people to get a better position for a few while posing as opposition. A lot of them hate and slander and attack Bob Avakian. So I challenge you, I I invite you to find out for yourself that we all have a responsibility, especially at this time when the fate of the world, the fate of humanity really does hang in the balance. Find out for yourself with this revolutionary leader and thinker. Um, how he sees this situation, how he is looking at the world, and what he's inviting you into. It, the full interview is available at youtube.com slash the revcoms. That's youtube.com slash the revcoms. It's the Revolution Nothing Less show, and I had the honor of uh, conducting that interview together with Andy Z. So I want to remind you that right now you are tuned in to the Michael Slate show. I am sitting in for Michael Slate today. My name is Sansara Taylor. Before we fully shift gears into the main topic we're going to get into today, I want to continue to keep all of our eyes and our hearts with the people of Iran who are rising up, Um, the women rising up and the men together with them against the mandatory hijab, the mandatory head covering, the, the enslavement of women there by that Islamic fascist republic, but also against the, the regime itself as people are increasingly demanding the end to the Islamic regime. Um, And there has been massive repression. There's been crackdown, but the people have continued to stand up. There are statements from the Communist Party of Iran, MLM, that we've been publishing at Revcom.us. People should read their analysis, what they have to say about where this struggle needs to go to really deliver emancipation and to keep the U.S. and other imperialist powers from interfering and diverting that struggle to serve the imperialist aims of the U.S. as opposed to the interests of the people of Iran and the people of the world. So I invite you to read that at Revcom.us. I want to highlight among the political prisoners um, thousands who have been arrested in this upsurge and many who were imprisoned before. There is a website, freeiranspoliticalprisoners.org, free Iran's political prisoners now, excuse me, free Iran's politicalprisonersnow.org. Go to the website, and I want to play a song from the Iranian rapper Tumaj, who put this song together. It's called Here is Our Battlefield. 
um, about this recent upsurge. He's talking about all the unity that's been in the streets. He was recently arrested. He is being detained, among many others. So we want to play that. Again, the website is free, iranspoliticalprisonersnow.org. Free Iran's political prisoners now.org. Free Iran's political prisoners now.org. There's a statement to sign. There's much more information. That was the rapper Tumaj. He is one of many who have been arrested in the recent upsurge in Iran. Um, so I wanted to just share that with you and keep our minds and our hearts with the people rising up there. With that, now we're going to shift. Listen, over the last several weeks, the Christian fundamentalist fanatic, the misogynist, slavery-denying, Trump-loving Kanye West has gone full Nazi. In addition to wearing a white supremacist, white lives matter shirt, in addition to blaming George Floyd for his own murder by police, in addition to demonizing black women for having abortions, Kanye has unleashed a torrent of lies and hatred against Jewish people. 
Yay, as he wants to be called now, rampaged over social media with this poison before he lost his before he was locked out of his accounts. And then he went on the fascist Tucker Carlson's TV show where he spewed more of it to Carson's evident approval, even as some of what Kanye spewed was so vicious and so lunatic that even Tucker Carlson had to edit some of it out before broadcasting it. And then. To make matters worse, the, quote, woke conspiracy theorist, anti-scientific NBA superstar, Kyrie Irving, who literally thinks the earth is flat, which is inane. It's so anti-scientific. It's so untrue. It does, it, it's insane that this is a conversation in 2022. But Kyrie Irving, who literally thinks the earth is flat, tweeted out a video, uh, Hebrews to Negroes, wake up black America. And this video is packed with poisonous anti-Jewish nonsense. These lies have been picked up and spread as well, not only by white MAGA fascists like the Nazis who dropped a banner over the freeway in L.A. saying Kanye is right about the Jews, which was then done again at ball games, uh, sports games down in Jackson, Mississippi and throughout the South. Um, This has been picked up. But these lies, this anti-Semitic conspiracy theories have gained influence among growing sections of black people, some of whom have welcomed and spread what Irving and Kanye have put forward. So I know that Irving was suspended last night um, and he issued an apology, which was important. But the lies, the anti-Semitic poison that he's been pushing and that Kanye are pushing Uh, is out there, and we're going to talk about it. So I'm going to open up the phone lines in just a moment. We're going to get your calls on this. But first, I want to welcome, I have a guest in studio. I have Rafael Cadares, who is a writer and contributor to Revcom.us and to the RNL show. Rafael, welcome. Uh, Thanks for having me, Sansara. All right, so listen, I want to play one soundbite. There's a million soundbites we could play. This is uh, spewing this stuff. I don't want to play too much of it, but I have one that I want to play from Kanye. I want to make a comment about it, ask you to to comment on this situation overall, and then we'll open up the phone line. So let's hear this uh, little soundbite. What happened, let me set this up. Kanye said on Twitter he's going to go DEFCON 3 against Jewish people. And... uh, among other things, but that's what got him locked out of his account. The L.A. Holocaust Museum immediately invited, reached out to Kanye and said, we invite you to come and take a tour of the museum. Learn about the Holocaust. Learn about the damage of anti-Semitism, what it leads to. Um, And Kanye denied the invite by going on uh, one podcast. I'm playing a clip of him saying essentially the same thing, but he denied it saying, I don't need to go to the Holocaust Museum Our Holocaust Museum is Planned Parenthood. Ours, speaking of black people, is Planned Parenthood. So I want you to hear that. I'm going to say a few things, um, and we'll take it from there. In Nazi Germany, science was used to create atrocities. Engineering, the same. Engineering could be a tool of war. We are still in the Holocaust. Uh, a A Jewish friend of mine said... Oh, come go visit the Holocaust Museum. And my response was, let's visit our Holocaust Museum, Planned Parenthood. Six million people died in the Holocaust. Over 20 million have died by the hands of abortion. And the media promotes the my body, my choice, which is actually still a promotion for Planned Parenthood. 50% of black deaths a year 
is actually abortion. It's not, it's not the cop with the knee. It's not black on black violence and gang violence. It's not heart attacks. It's actually abortion. All right. So there's so many lies packed into that. First of all, I'm going to try to do this very briefly. First of all, abortion is not murder. Nobody's being killed at the Planned Parenthood. Fetuses are being terminated. They're not people. Okay, number one, they're not people. Number two, Holocaust denial, straight up. Uh, equating a woman having control over her own reproduction. What happens inside her body to a subordinate part of her body is, is to equate that to the extermination, the massacre of six million Jewish people is to negate and erase the value of those six million Jewish people's lives. It's Holocaust denying. Number, so that's number two. Number three, the view that Kanye spews singling out black women in particular for getting abortions is no different. And this is makes sense coming from somebody like him who is a, a denier of slavery or says slavery was a choice, a vicious statement that he has made. It's a view of black women that is the exact same as what the slave masters had, a view that black women's job and duty is to breed children and not to decide for themselves what happens with their body, their reproduction, their sexuality, or anything else. So it's a slave master's view of black women. And uh, finally, just the last connection I want to make is that when you come to uh, abortion, Hitler was actually the father of the anti-abortion movement. He was the first to really demonize and criminalize abortion because he had a view of women as, an Aryan women in particular, as as their duty is to breed and be forced to have children um, and to uh, sterilize and prevent those he thought were not uh, full humans from reproducing. So there's a lot of lies packed into that. I wanted to just say that briefly. And uh, Raphael, I want to give you a chance to react overall to that, but also to what's going on with Kyrie Irving. Yeah, well, um the first thing I wanted to say uh, about this torrent of anti-Semitism, as you said, that, that Kanye has been running out, um, the lies that were packed into the, the, the movie that Kyrie tweeted out, um, is that, you know, the, this is, there's no validity to this anti-Semitism. There's no validity or truth to the idea that there's some Jewish conspiracy to dominate the world, that the Jews are behind, you know, completely controlling the media, controlling Hollywood, controlling, you know, banking, controlling the world. This is nonsense. You know, yes, there are Jews in all positions of, of the economy. You know, there's Jews at the top of the economy in positions of power. There's Jews at the bottom, you know, uh, and they the Jews that are at the top of the economy as as capitalists, you know, are doing the same thing that capitalists of every race and nationality are doing, which is trying to maximize their profit. They're acting as capitalists, trying to maximize their profit. They're not acting as Jews. There's no secret meetings of Jews <laughs> where they get together and plot world domination. So this is just complete lies, you know, and in fact, you know, it's a it's a it's a useful lie, though, on behalf of this system. It's something that's been perpetuated for hundreds of years by kings, by czars, by capitalists, by nobility. You know, it's a way for them to misdirect the anger of the masses of people onto a scapegoat. This is something that has led to horrific atrocities, you know, for hundreds of years. You know, I was just reading in one year in the Ukraine in the 1600s, over 100,000 100, Jews were massacred in pogroms, which, by the way, has a lot 
in this po- what what pogroms were were episodes of mob violence by people whipped up by usually whipped up by rulers by feudal lords against the Jewish people. This had a lot in common with the kind of thing that black people have experienced, you know, throughout the history of this country, the kind of thing that happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma, when white mobs burned down black Wall Street. You know, so it's just it's it's infuriating and disgusting to see black people taking up the same mentality, you know, that's being promoted and pushed by the same pro-Trump MAGA fascists that want to exterminate black people. You know, we have to change. We have to call this out and we have to challenge people to actually stop fighting each other. Stop scapegoating Jewish people. Stop with this anti-Semitism. Look at the real system that's behind the oppression that people face. Target the real enemy, which is this system and its ruling class and its armed enforcers. Let's be about liberation. Let's not just be, let's not be about, you know, revenge against some group that's perceived to have a little bit more privilege. You know, this is, this is what I think we need to talk about. You know, this is, it's a lie. It's a useful lie by the, by the powers that be. People need a scientific understanding of what we're, like Baba Vakin was saying at the beginning in that interview that Sansara played, People need a scientific understanding of the system that we're up against and the revolution that we need. And we need to come together instead of being pitted, pitting different groups against each other. And really, you know, opening up the possibility for, for you know, atrocities. Like, it wasn't that long ago that, the, that a synagogue in Pittsburgh was shot up by, you know, a white supremacist Nazi fascist. And this is the kind of atmosphere that's mm. being whipped up again. All right, so uh, as expected, we have the phone lines filling up. So I want to go to our first caller. Um, if we can get our first caller, I, I believe his name was John. Yes, um, you said uh, bo- you said a uh, fetus is not a human. It is a human. It's just a stage of a human. Women can't use abortion as birth control. If you don't want children, don't have unprotected sex. You guys are murderers. People who kill who kill fetuses are murderers. You are, you you can't get around that fact. You can't use it again. Like I said, you can't use birth control. Uh, uh, you can't use abortion as birth control. Okay, so uh, fetuses are not babies. Uh, abortion is not murder, and women are not incubators. And a fetus has the potential to become a, a person. 
It won't become a pine tree. It won't become a piglet, a fetus, a human fetus. If it develops uh, over the course of nine months of gestation, if it's a part of the woman's body and is born, it becomes an independent biological being, independent social being. But as long as it's inside her, it is part of her body. And no woman should ever be forced to have a child against her will. That is a form of enslavement. It is a dehumanization of women. It's reducing them to incubators. It is a form of enslavement that disrupts their lives um, and uh, degrades the lives of half of humanity as a whole. So that's uh, that's that's a fact. And right now we live in a society where that right of women to decide their bodies and their lives has been revoked from the highest court in the land. And this is a very dangerous thing that everybody should be opposing. So I want to get uh, our next caller. I believe we have somebody named Kenyatta on the phone. Thank you very much for taking my call. Um, I have uh, always uh, thought very little of Kanye West and not so much uh, his statements have been, of course, uh, horrible. And uh, but my problem is, is how it's being treated. Uh, the most horrific uh, racial slur in the history of mankind is what is called the N word. And people act like they can't say it. It's so offensive. Yet, if you've watched a Quentin Tarantino movie, if you've listened to any rap records, uh, and no black people are basically greenlighting these these projects. Um, you, you hear the word, the, the, the word used ubiquitously, and it is profitable. There are other racial slurs. I mean, I'm not going to name them. You've heard them. Uh, and, and no one profits off of them. And I'm not understanding how it is that um, this, his anti-Semitic remarks, and see, anyone that uses that word, the N-word, I don't care if it's another black person, which I am. I don't care who it is. You say that word, and I'm within arm's reach of you. You've got a problem. And, and I think it's a horrible thing. But I'm not understanding how he can be paid for doing that, like Quentin Tarantino, and like I said, in other movies, you, see it, you hear it all the time. But yet, when he uh, does the same thing with regard to another group, it's immediately condemned, and he's canceled. I'm just not understanding it. All right, Kenyatta, thank you for calling. Uh, Raphael, what do you have to say? Um, yeah, well, I think, uh, <laughs> I think, you know, there is racism that's promoted in, in, the, in, in rap music and in the popular culture. Uh, Kanye has promoted uh, misogyny for, <laughs> for decades against women. You know what I'm saying? And people should reject that. People should reject the N-word, which is, you know, a homicidal epithet. You know, and it doesn't make it better, actually, when it's, you know, uh, black people <laughs> calling each other that, you know, it's not homicidal in the same way that it is, you know, but it is that when when white people have used it for for, you know, generations, but it is dehumanizing, you know what I'm saying? And it's it's something that has been used to inflict terror and oppression on black people forever. But raising that to, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that you're doing this, Kenyatta, but raising that to ex excuse or justify, you know, the kind of things that are coming out of Kanye's mouth now, you know, uh, we, we should reject all of this. We should reject the racism against black people. We should reject the anti-Semitism, um, you know, and and that's, w that's what I have to say about it. Well, I guess I, I want to add two things, um, and I agree with that, but I also think, look, 
People act like there's a double standard that Kanye is being called out now for the anti-Semitism, and, and, and he wasn't for using the N-word. And I want to say that this feeds a, the same notion. Whatever one's intent in raising it, this feeds – this is a notion that's pushed, and it feeds the notion that, in fact, Jewish people do have all this power, and when they are insulted in this way – you get called out, you get canceled. But if black people are insulted, you don't. And I, and I think that it comes back to the problem is the system. It's not Jewish people. It's not a secret hidden hand of Jewish people controlling. Again, I'm not ascribing this to, to the caller, but this is what gets said. And I, I've been listening to the way this is talked about. Oh, Kanye said this horrible thing. He said this horrible thing. He only got canceled when he went anti-Semitic. And I agree. He, all of his poison should be rejected. But there's not some secret hand where this, you know, this anti-Semitism is deadly serious and it needs to be opposed. Um, the other thing is I just, I just want to say Quentin Tarantino made movies. I'm not going to debate the artistic choices he made about the N-word, but he is somebody who has stood up against white supremacy. He has put himself on the line and he's been uh, attacked for it um, by Fox and all this. He stood with parents whose children were murdered by police. He did that in Rise Up for October several years ago. He he. He really championed and has repeatedly um, uh, standing with those who are terrorized by white supremacy. So I think there is a distinction between art and the intent in art and who somebody is as a political figure. And and so I I just didn't want to let that distinction be smashed either because I know he's he stood against white supremacy pretty firmly um, in his in his public life and in his personal life and and that matters. Um, let's get Henrik. Are you there? Hello, welcome. What's on your mind? Yeah, I just, um, to, in response to the simple-minded idiot who called and called abortion murder, um, okay, let's hold men to the same standard and uh, try them for murder for masturbation. Um, and let's see how many of them can, can withstand that or, or can, can uh, be okay with that. Also, anybody who uh, thinks that the Jews are controlling the world, Google Doctrine of Discovery. African Americans, find out who enslaved you and what, reason, what reasoning they used, what, what excuse they used. It had nothing to do with the Jews. The Catholics, the Catholic Christians wanted to enslave you, and so they made up some rules that if you're not Christian, they can take anything away from you. And so they massacred Indians and enslaved Africans. So get an education, people. Get a brain. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate the the caller on on both uh, arguments you you were making. I mean, the, the the your point about try men for murder for masturbation goes to the heart of what this issue of abortion really is all about. And by the way, you know, <laughs> most of these anti-abortion groups also oppose contraception, which tells you it's not about uh, life or anything of that nature. And yes, yeah, sperm is potential life, you know, if it contacts an egg. But what's the reality here? You know, these, these, uh, <laughs> these, these anti-abortion people want to control women. You know, that, that, does, that is the heart of the issue. Um, and, and your point about the doctrine of discovery. And look, who 
<laughs> who actually is responsible for the, the, the slave trade and the transatlantic slave trade? Because this was a big part of Kyrie Irving's, uh, the movie that he tweeted out was that Jews are, you know, the secret hand behind the slave trade. And yes, there were you know, a few Jewish uh, slave traders, Sephardic Jews who were part of the Dutch slave trading. But they were they are responsible, according to scholars, for about two percent of Africans who were, you know, dragged to the to America in, in chains. And a minuscule portion of slave owners in the United States were were <laughs> were Jewish. And instead you had, you know, Christian, white Christian slave owners who were using the Bible, you know, and all this nonsense about Ham being cursed and stuff to justify uh, the enslavement of Africans for hundreds of years. And you have people now here, you know, saying that Jews were responsible for slavery. This is complete nonsense. All right. So uh, we got let's just keep going to the calls. We have somebody. All I see is E. Let's get the our caller. Tell us your name and where you're calling from. Hello, I'm a caller. Can you hear me? My name is Madeline. Madeline. Yes, we can hear you. You're on the air. Go ahead and tell us what's awesome. on your mind. My name is Madeline. I'm from Altadena. And uh, now this is a big... Uh, people that think abortion is murder, I recommend that they watch Call the Midlife. It's a long series. I love it. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's history, but it has a lot to do with mothers. Or they could listen to the song Every Sperm is Sacred from one of those Monty Python movies. But I mean, when abortion, abortion will happen, always. Abortion will always happen. And, and when it is safe and legal, then women will s survive. And the people that suffer, of course, you know, when abortion is made illegal are the people with less resources. And so the people who are saying, oh, we're killing the black community or the Hispanic community or whichever poor community, you're killing the poor women because they can't get a safe abortion. And as far as the babies, there are going to be plenty of babies and let the babies be happy babies whose people can afford to have them and love them and raise them. Let's not spit babies out of women because that's like slavery. Madeline, thank you so much. I don't want to add anything to what you just said. It was well put and, and people should take it to heart. I want to thank you for calling. I guess I will say every sperm is sacred deserves a, a YouTube search and everybody should watch it. It's, it's, you'll get a joy from it. So thank you for bringing that up as well. Um, let's get to David. David, are you there? Yes. Yes. Thank you for taking my call. Go ahead. What's on your mind? Um, a couple of things that I wanted to follow up from the second caller uh, who was uh, talking about um, the abortion and the fact that there's kind of a double standard in the first part. Um, I don't know if you guys are experts of when consciousness or when, when, uh, when a person is actually, is actually uh, conscious. Um, so unless you guys can verify or or tell me that a uh, fetus or at any point in, in gestation that that uh, living being doesn't have some form of consciousness, I would love to be educated if you guys have that knowledge. And second of all, um, about the double standard, I don't know if you guys have ever jumped on the air airwaves and advocated anyone, any of your listeners, to stop listening to Kanye's music because of the use of the N-word or misogyny or any of these uh, things that you guys find objectionable, um, or you guys just uh, 
conveniently just saying, yeah, you guys should definitely uh, be against that too and be against what he's saying. Uh, I, I just don't see it. The, the outrage, I think, is because it's a hot topic. You guys are jumping on board, and I, I just see a lot of uh, a lot of uh, double standards here. Okay, so. Um... Okay, uh, let me address the double standard thing first, and then maybe Sansara can speak to the uh, abortion. I, I was just I was just googling on the double standard. I was just googling. Um, Two thousand and thirteen. An article that I wrote together with Carl Dix that is talking about in his new song, which was new then, New Slaves, Kanye West evokes the brutality and grinding oppression inflicted on black people since they were first dragged to these shores in slave chains. He indicts the cradle-to-prison pipeline that steals the lives of black youth and rails against the cold, hard reality that no matter what one accomplishes, if one is black, they will continue to face dehumanizing and even life-threatening racism. Through this song, he declares himself an open rebellion against the racist industry that seeks to neuter and profit off his artistic talents and the broader society, which has as an expression of this very racism repeatedly written off or dismissed Kanye's rants and anger as simply an outgrowth of his, quote, oversized ego. But where does Kanye take this? Again, this is an article that I wrote with Carl Dix in 2013. Where does Kanye take this? Unfortunately, instead of the cry of rebellion of the slave, new or old, who wants to not only get out of this madness himself, but fight for a world where no one is oppressed, exploited, and degraded in this way, Kanye instead rages at the way this ongoing oppression keeps him from being able to fully integrate himself into and assume his place atop of the modern-day slave system. And I go on and I talk about how this is uh, Kanye being upset that he is not a slave master. He says the world is divided into, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's very uh, crude language, so I'm going to decide not to use every word that, that I quote from him in the article, but this goes after him for his misogyny, for his w- wannabe slave master outlook, mm-hmm. and it's been consistent, so I want to say that. Yeah. Go ahead. And I, I was calling out Kanye back on the College Dropout album, whenever that was, 2003 or 2005, for that Jesus Walk song, which was like a Christian fundamentalist l- lunatic anthem. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But anyway, and it's been it's been you know a constant thread in in Kanye's work, the misogyny, but but uh, the Christian fundamentalism, but also the grievance that oh you know I've I've been held down, but really just so that I can get on top. Even he just said it the other day i have empathy for the straight white male why because the straight white male is in the power position and that's where i'm going you know he literally said this in one of his recent interviews so this is this is someone who's been you know increasingly reactionary for for a couple decades now you know and culminating in you know his his MAGA hat, hat wearing, snuggling up to Trump, one of the biggest white supremacists, fascist, leader of a fascist movement, Nazi fascist movement in this country. And now, you know, the White Lives Matter t- uh, T-shirts, the hatred against women, we've been calling all of this stuff out, and now the anti-Semitism. So when you talk about, uh, which, by the way, the anti-Semitism is just another form of racism. It's just another form of of attributing, you know, whole group characteristics to people, you know, uh, whether it's exaggerating characteristics. All Jews are rich. All Jews are powerful. All Jews are greedy. They're conniving, you know, or just making making this stuff up, you know, really. 
and and it's dangerous and it's led to atrocities throughout history and it's going to lead to more atrocities. So what part of this anti-Semitism are you okay with? You know, really, what part of this racism against Jewish people are you okay with? You know, we should call all this stuff out, you know, and we should fight for a whole different, you know, uh, world and a whole different way of relating to people. We should look at who the real enemy is. No, it's not the Jews dominating the world. I mean, this is one of the main ways that oppressed people have been played, have been played for fools for centuries and have been used by the ruling class to commit atrocities. Anti-Semitism is one of the main ways that that is, that's happened. And you it know, lets the whole system off the hook. Because there is a system, and this is, you know, we're going to run out of time here, so I just want to bring this in. There is a system that can be understood. It's an economic system. It's a mode of production, capitalism, imperialism, that underlies why people are forced to compete with each other for resources, why, why there are ghettos, you know, the origins of which are actually come from what was done to Jewish people originally, but now... Many black people and, and other oppressed people live in ghettos here. There's a, there's a commonality of experience, even though there's different experiences, but there's a commonality under the system. That system of capitalism and imperialism is based on exploitation. It stretches now around the world. It can be understood, and it has to be understood in a reality-based way, and it can be overthrown. And this, this is something that if oppressed people want to get free rather than getting in on or seeking revenge against we need to not allow ourselves to be played by the lies of anti-Semitism, by other ways that people are kept caught up blaming each other rather than looking at the source of the problem in this system and coming together and uniting all who can be united to fight the power and transform the people for an actual revolution. So I want to invite at, again at the end, I want to end the show where I began by inviting you to learn more about the revolution, to, to explore a lot of this more fully. Maybe we'll do some more on this topic next week. We got a lot of calls, um, and we can't get to all of them, so I apologize to those of you who are on the phone. We're not going to get to any more calls today, but we'll try to open up the lines again soon. Glad they're working again. Um, but I want to point and invite all of you to uh, the interview that I had the honor of doing together with Andy Z with Bob Avakian which is available at youtube.com slash the revcoms to learn more about a scientific, a thoroughly scientific approach to understanding the world and the system that we live under and how it could be done away with for real and bring about real emancipation. I want to thank you, Raphael, for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Sansara. I want to thank everybody who took the time to call in today, everybody who spent some of your last hour with me here on the radio. I want to thank uh, Outer National for the music at the top of the show, Raphael, for being my guest, Gary Baca for engineering, Henry Carson for producing. I'll be back next week. The sentence made of 20 years ago.